You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. All right. Well, hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk for week two of our Pastor Appreciation Month. We are featuring pastors who we appreciate. Last week, uh, you heard uh, Pastor Justin interview Pastor Troy Hamilton from Rocky Bayou Baptist Church. And I guess, depending on where you're at theologically, we're getting a little more serious or we're getting more lighter. I don't know. We have a Methodist pastor here with us, uh, Rural Osley. So let me first just say, I am so grateful that you took the time to be with us today. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it. So for those that don't know Roel, he has been uh, a pastor here in Niceville for how many years? 24. 24 years. And uh, he has been pastoring a long time before that. They've heard everything I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, one thing I have to ask you, and I know you've been asked this a lot before we get started in your background, is Roel. The name. Roel. Where yeah. I, I, I Googled from? it, so there are other people named Rural, but... Yeah, and they spell it all a lot of different ways. <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but my middle name is Reuben, and my dad <laughs> told me that they were two Old Testament names. So, you know, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, which is also known by Rural, R-E-U-E-L. Right. And I'm just thinking for good country folks, they probably misspelled <laughs> it. <clears throat> but that was where, it, I think it's Rural, and it's interesting to... Give you a little the the Hebrew thing, uh, L. Everybody knows yeah. Bethel and mm-hmm. L is God, and so Ru the root there is look, and Ben's a son. Everybody that's Ben, the son. So it's almost like look God look a son. Oh wow! I don't think my grandparents had any idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think they stumbled on that in the dark. <clears throat> but, well, speaking of your grandparents, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, and how you ended up in ministry? Yeah. Well, grew up in Geneva, Alabama, which is near the southeastern corner. Most people know Dothan. If they don't know Geneva, people around here may know Geneva because it's a little closer, and. Um, as a junior high, you know, had a great pastor preaching the gospel and everything. That's when I came to Christ. I had another friend that was a Baptist uh, Christian. I, need, I make sure that's <laughs> together there. Because it can be, <clears throat> you can be Methodist, not a Christian too. But he was going, he, was, he felt called into the ministry. And I said, you know, Teddy, what do you mean by that? And he just kind of shared how he prayed. And so that's, I thought, well, maybe that's what I need to do, you know, because all of us, we grew up knowing God had a plan for our life, mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted. I, that's why I came to Christ. I wanted mm-hmm. to do what He wanted me to do, and I wanted to be who we, He wanted me to be. And and so I began praying, and this whole thought about being called into the ministry started coming, and that was not my thought. That was not what I was thinking about, but... The more I prayed about it. So finally, I just said, well, Lord, I'm not going to go into this without something really clear. Mm. I mean, you're just going to have to be clear Mm -hmm. on this one. So I I gave him a little prayer, talk about laying a fleece out. I said, Lord, I'd like to share my testimony 
with another youth group somewhere. And I'd like for that invitation to come within the week. I figured I had him pretty well hogtied, as we'd say in Alabama. You know, for him to get all of those together, <clears throat> excuse me, was going to be really, really hard. But uh, we were planning a youth revival, and I went over to this girl's house later that week. I'd just gotten a brand-new Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I remember it cost $36. And back That's 19, a lot back 1970, then. that was a million-dollar Bible. And <laughs> it's about the only other specialty Bible you can get. You, can you get already said 1970 because I was actually going to make jokes and say, <clears throat> so did, did we enter World War II after you were called to yeah. ministry or before? Uh, yeah, but. My, my dad fought in World War II, <laughs> so just to get the context uh, there. And so after we planned the revival, I showed them, I took that Bible and I showed it and the girl whose house we were at, she said, Rule, said, you know, she got went to another church. It happened to be in the Methodist church. She said, our MYF, the, you know, Methodist Youth Fellowship, she said, I'm in charge of the program next Sunday. And I was just wondering if you'd come and give your testimony there. And you could have knocked me over with a feather. None, nobody there had any idea what had just happened. Mm. But deep within my heart, I just said, I've been called to ministry. Mm. Mm. But I gave it a good fight for about six <laughs> months. <laughs> I fought bravely. <clears throat> yeah, and so uh, finally lost. <laughs> and so the rest, you know, just began to, uh, and I told my pastor, and of course, as small towns do, they, they put it on the front page of the Geneva <laughs> wow. Reaper. Wow. <clears throat> so, I don't think they do that in the Bay Beacon anymore. <laughs> When someone gets called <laughs> yeah. to the ministry, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> but so I, I began filling in, and uh, I did in my summers in college. I was you know, back then; they'd have these youth pastors for a mm-hmm. summer. I don't know if they do that anymore. I don't think they do. But every summer, I'd go to new church, and then one summer I did evangelism. I did those youth weeks. One after another, all summer long, I did two, wow. of the, two of those summers and doing that, and then went off to seminary. And, and you went to the Methodist Seminary, Asbury, right? Well, technically, it's not a United Methodist <laughs> okay, Seminary. Okay, it's not. I didn't they know that. They are not okay. an official seminary. Okay. Well, all That's the, why I went to it. I, won't, I could say this. I don't know if you can say this. Every solid Methodist I know just about went to Asbury. That would be true because <laughs> to, it is a Wesleyan theological seminary. It is independent. Okay, and most of our denominational uh, seminaries, I, I would say, are very liberal. So those who want the conservative education, you know, believe in the Bible and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, uh, do go to Asbury, and it's uh, it's one of the top ten largest seminaries. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, and just on commercial side of it, they are doing exceptionally well. So are the Southern Baptist couple that I'm aware of are doing exceptionally well in a time when all seminary education is just like church attendance Mm -hmm. and everything else is going down. Mm -hmm. So God has his hand on a few seminaries and I would just attribute it to staying faithful to, you know, uh, biblical Christianity and what we've typically known uh, that has been agreed upon through the ages. So speaking of God's hand, so is that where you met your bride? I is did. Asbury? She okay. was in seminary too. She uh, got a master's in arts and religion and basically inductive Bible study because she had been teaching in a, uh, as a missionary down in Costa Rica. So she needed more help. Came back, 
was planning on going back to be a missionary. But oh wow, okay. But yeah. she did become a missionary yeah. in rural <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> uh, all all most of our churches are small. So you guys have been married how long now? Let's see, August the twenty fourth. Hey, that's my birthday. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, forty one years. Okay. All right. You've been married a little bit longer than I've been alive. There so, you go. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's and you why guys... I'm so much smarter. <laughs> hey, I've been around, man. Wiser. That's yeah, for sure. Wiser. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about uh, kids? You guys have a couple kids? Yes, we have three sons. Okay. Oh, uh, the oldest is a lawyer here in Okaloosa County. The youngest is an engineer at uh, Air Force Research Lab. Okay. The middle one's an engineer in Atlanta. Okay. And I know you have grandkids because I see you post pictures yeah, of your grandkids. Got five of them, four yeah. boys and a girl. <laughs> and the oldest one is six. Yeah. So, well, so. I think most people who are watching or listening know this already, but just in case you don't know, I haven't even mentioned this. Rule is the pastor, pastor that people who've been here a long time call the church up the hill. Uh, <laughs> he's been the pastor there 24 years, and God has really done a lot of incredible things uh, through their ministry. Uh, but you said before that you were mostly in small town churches in Alabama. Uh, so why don't you tell us kind of what brought you to the big city of Niceville and uh, kind of how God has blessed uh, through the years. Okay. I'll just have to educate you about United <laughs> Methodist Church, <laughs> about what brought me here to Niceville. Uh, you know, we have a district superintendents that oversee, but then a bishop that makes final decisions on things. And on the large churches, like the church of the would have been when I came, uh, that's a decision that the bishop makes. So they'll call you and tell you we've just appointed you to Niceville. Okay. Uh, after, you know, I'd been in 18 years, and so I could, I could say at this point, are you asking or telling? <laughs> and typically on the larger churches, they'd say we're asking. Okay. But you'd be an idiot to turn it down, <laughs> you know. So, so anyway, but I did. I gathered all my family together and and asked their opinion. We had a five-year-old uh, at that time. He said, well, I'm going wherever mama goes. So I knew I was going to win the vote. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's how it came. But we were in a church in Clanton, Alabama, with about an average attendance of 300. So I go from 300 to 1,000. <laughs> I go from two, three people on staff to yeah. boatload of staff. So mm -hmm. it was a uh, – I was really scared, <laughs> really scared, in fact. You know, I've told all my congregations, I went into panic attacks and thing. I'd struggle with depression and discouragement most of my life, but that brought anxiety into it to, to a new level. So there was a really touch and go to three years. And I'll just oh, wow. tell you something about that scripture that says, you know, when we're weak, we're made strong. Mm. Uh, the church just growing. None of them knew anything that was going on in me mm. personally. Mm. I, you know, I didn't feel comfortable sharing it. Or anything like that, but the church was just growing, growing, mm. growing, and I, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt it had zero to do with me. Mm. Mm. Well, I was I was laid low. Yeah. Wow. Well, one of the things I, I said this about you uh, before we had even met, but uh, that I appreciate is you know Crosspoint, and I, practically speaking, you know 
when you think of church success is right up there with just about any church because, uh, I mean, you're not as big as a church in Dallas or where. No, but, no, no. Man, but we're, could, we're nice. Field. You could just preach the Bible in Dallas and have a thousand people, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if if you did it proportionally, we'd probably be the largest country. I mean, largest church right. in the country. Right. But, did it proportionally, but, but what that I, really doesn't matter. What I've been uh, impressed with is, you know, especially since you went multi-site, we'll talk about how you decided to do that. Really, your name's not. It, you know, I know your church loves you and you're the pastor, but I don't feel like in any way it's rural church. Yeah, I mean, I don't – a lot of times – and it's not – I'm not dogging on these guys, but the pastor is just as much a celebrity as the name of the church, and I don't feel like that with Crosspoint at all. So when did you guys – obviously, when you got there, I'm imagining things changed a lot over the years. Um, it to has be changed To be where you lot. are today, yeah. kind of talk to me about how that – happen to help you engage, you know, the changing world. This changed a lot in 24 years. Yeah, well, um, you know, the church was growing. Uh, it, it first it's had a good foundation because, and, and probably like your church too, but it's different in the Methodist church because you can get, you can have a liberal guy, conservative guy, liberal guy, you know, everything can just get all messed up. You go, you're changing different directions every time somebody comes in. But all uh, Doug Newton was here, 70s, 4 to 83, and then Ed Chandler came from 83 to 98, and then I came in 98. Those are long tenures for Methodist Yeah, set, pastors, one right? was 7, one was 15, now I'm 24. The larger the church, the larger their tenure is okay. anyway. And since the 80s, when church growth recognized that it was the people that were moving and not the pastor, yeah. if the pastor stayed still, <laughs> his congregation okay. would be changing. Yeah. So the Methodist church changed with that, too. Now, when you're in the little country churches, you're wanting to get out just right. as quick as you can. But once you get up you know, to the level of uh, what was niceful first, then you want to stay. So I figured when I came there, I was like 42. I figured I'd be there the rest of my ministry if everything worked out mm -hmm. well and that kind of thing. So uh, as we begin to grow or continue to grow uh, some, finally we just maxed out mm. with our facilities. And uh, you you know from buying property around here, I remember one time, uh, I can't remember who it was, uh, from the Niceville called me and said, man, y'all killing us, taking all these houses off the church. Off the tax roll. <laughs> yeah. I said, don't give me that, man. We ain't killing y'all. So we're raised, we're doubling the value of every other mm -hmm. house that we can't buy stays here. Mm -hmm. We were overpaying. Yeah. Overpaying oh, yeah. on oh, every, yeah. everything. Uh, so it took a while, but after a while, you know, there's only so much land, mm -hmm. only so much growth. And you look at, okay, where, if we build a new sanctuary, where would we build it? And you're talking about $20, 25000000 million mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. do that. Mm hmm. So we sat around and said, okay, or, or, so are we done? Right. Great Commission no longer applies to us. Let's mm -hmm. just have fun mm -hmm. the rest of the time. Or is does God have something else for us? And that's when the thought was just be, beginning about um, multi-site because not many churches were doing it. Right. And we Especially not in small towns. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I mean, one we didn't people, know anything yeah. about it either. Yeah. You know, we just were ignorant about it. I think our strongest thing has always been waiting till God directs us and leads us because we tried to go to Freeport twice 
and some of those meetings that we had, hurricanes mm. canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided just leave Freeport alone. But anyway, you know, the first church uh, that we just partnered with was in South Crestview. Their church, their pastor went on uh, disability leave. And we just offered to help pastor their church. And mm-hmm. then they decided they just wanted to be us. Okay. Because if you don't, the bishop still had authority and power over them and could change them. And we were getting ready to invest money in it. We're not going to invest money in it unless it's ours. So right. they they dissolved Okay. and became Crosspoint. Yeah. Except at that point, they, they kept their name. Okay. And, and you guys were still First United Methodist at that point, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we were all nice for UMC. Oh, nice for UMC. We had changed. Okay. Okay. From the old English First United Methodist Church of Niceville. Yeah. Uh, trying to be more welcoming. So we got them, and then uh, they grew really well. I mean, as soon as we, we uh, sent a couple of our staff up there, in fact, my, my wife was one of them, and uh, Bryce Early was one of them, and and it, and it grew. It was growing a lot from people from North Crestview coming mm-hmm. down. So that's when we had the idea. Well, we could plant another one up there in North Crestview, mm-hmm. and so we sent two hundred mm-hmm. out of that group mm-hmm. up there, mm-hmm. and that's worked uh, really well. So, so what? Tell me, kind of what. When you got here, you grew, but what kind of brought about the growth that got you to that point where you were maxed out, where there's some things that uh, I know some of the pastors who are listening kind of want to, okay, how do you even get there? Okay, that we, well, you know, I'd be a Presbyterian there, you know, (laughs) (laughs) sovereignty of God. (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I know that some of it's just going to sound simplistic because, and I don't want to say that others aren't doing all that either. But uh, you know, we just we do try to preach the word, we try to honor the word, we try to, um, and I think our church, um, there we don't have groups that fight against mm-hmm. one another. I don't even know if other church do not. But I've been in. Mm-hmm. Methodist churches that did, and so that never so, happens, happens in Baptist uh, churches. Yeah, no, ever. Never, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's just when people think of church, they think more of division than they do unity. That, yeah, yeah. So, uh, for whatever reason, I think I, I, I was fortunate to inherit a group of people that were unified, and, mm. and we've worked very hard to keep that. Mm. And uh, so, as so when other people come, you know, they would like the people there because well, we're just not fussing and fighting, mm-hmm. and that was helpful. So then we began able, as they began to grow a little bit, um, we had a guy come in and um, helped us evaluate everything. I did do some long-range planning, and that was when we uh, went with the uh, Community Life mm-hmm. Center mm-hmm. And also some hall <clears throat> space that connected all the church. So when we did the community life center, we probably grew by five, average of five hundred. Oh wow! People, yeah. mm-hmm. it's one, a great facility. One because it brought people. You know, one of the top needs that we learned in Niceville was family recreation. Mm-hmm. And there was just no place for that. Yeah, and uh, like in Ruckle, they had a basketball tryout. You know, what are you going to pick, 10? 
Yeah, right. You know, five's right. going to play right. and five's yeah. going to mm-hmm. sit, mm-hmm. like that. One hundred boys tried yeah. out for mm-hmm. that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the need was everywhere. So we started doing that, and that helps, as you know. Any way you can get people coming through your building mm-hmm. uh, is helpful. And, yeah. and we'd already had a little <clears throat> bit of that. Just let people use the facility mm-hmm. as long as there was no real reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, and I'm actually I coach in their you know their their youth basketball league yeah. is is the only league in this city, and you know it's more yeah. than just a church league. And I coach in there and have a pretty good record uh, as a coach uh, for that league. Jeremy, Jeremy, go. the year he coached in the same league as me, Jeremy's uh, the campus pastor there. He he didn't our teams didn't play against each other, so I feel like he had something to do with uh, that with scheduling. <laughs> but you know when we first started that. Oh, people loved it because they were going down to Fort Walton Beach. And uh, a lot of the Christian families just complained about the kind of coach their kids had. Right. Yeah. And so you're getting Christian coaches. And we've never held on to anything or also uh, never have, you know, this is all about our church. Got to go to our church to do this. You know, in fact, you could use that facility Mm -hmm. for free. Anybody could. I remember we had a Catholic lady one time. She can, you know, can I use? Yeah, you can use it. Well, I'm Catholic. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, we, you know, we just we we gave it to everybody, and uh, and you know, you don't have to be a member of our church to coach, participate, do anything, you know. And if people come to your church out of it, you know, I I think we're just glad to, that all uh, people would go to. Church and it. I think if there would be one thing, what is good for the kingdom is good for the church. Yeah, that's good. What's good for the church is not always good for the kingdom. That's good. Yeah. So you got to go with what's good mm-hmm. for the kingdom, and that's. Mm-hmm. And that's really the heart behind why we even want to do this. For those this of month. you listening, I yeah. had open yeah, no, hands. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they couldn't see that. No, that's right. Yeah, we want to have, you know, we, we one thing we say every Sunday at our church is, you know, we don't just want to grow our church. We want to build the kingdom and yes. we want to partner. You know, there might be theological issues that we, we would disagree on that we just don't feel like deserve the time to discuss, but we can still partner together for the kingdom. And certainly one thing I've realized is how much I can learn from people, not just in my tribe, quote unquote. Uh, so, I would like to hear from you and your years of experience, just a few things that uh, you feel like you've learned. If there were like a couple leadership uh, ministry uh, insights you have to share, if you could just share those. Well, I think uh, a couple of things I would think about. One in terms of leadership is uh, I've developed a collaborative style of leadership. I don't go up to the mountain like Moses and come back down with the rules. Yeah. And what we're going to do and all of that. Uh, we'd bring in a guy maybe and we sit around and we listen. And of course I've got my opinions and my thoughts, but I learned also not to speak first, mm. you know, cause 
Did my staff not, tell you to say that? No. <laughs> just kidding. Nothing's going to happen unless I'm on board anyway. It doesn't matter when I speak. I don't have to speak first. I can speak last. I can speak next week. Yeah. <laughs> unless I'm on board. You know, yeah, it's not going right. to go anywhere anyway. But, you know, we I've tried to model not having an agenda. Our agenda is to determine what it is that God wants us to do. Mm. That's the agenda. Mm. And if I got you secretly trying to back channel stuff and, you know, somebody else over there, something else, very, very difficult. So mm. I don't want that. And I don't want to be the guy who's making all the decisions. One, because we, we, we need all the voices at the table we can get and, and, and those kinds of things. And sometimes they're big enough decisions. They look, and you know, okay, you know, you're going to have to make the call. So, but that's rare. Mm-hmm. And I want that to be rare. Mm. So now, I guarantee you, if I'm out two weeks, but they don't know if I'm on vacation. They don't know if I'm there. You know, truth of the matter is, they they don't know what I'm doing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> One is because it all runs with mm. everybody doing that, and so when I say that's the collaborative kind of approach, that also honors everybody mm-hmm. that's uh, working when uh, Jim. Oh, I can't think of his last name right now. From Generis, uh, we did. We've done four or five capital stewardship campaigns, and he said, "You know, nobody washes a rental car." And basically, what he's saying: if you don't have buy-in, mm-hmm. you're not a part of it. Mm. So I'll, I'll tell the staff. I said, "You know, you can make any decision. You can pay for. <laughs> if it's a five-dollar decision, make it." Mm-hmm. But if it's a $5 million decision, you better have everybody that's in a good, church. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's level of, of decision. So anyway, we make the decisions uh, together, except on the occasional one that you have to just say, okay, I, I think we ought to do this. Mm-hmm. As, as best I'm reading the spirit and reading, you know, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is uh, doing things with a process. Oh, and, and and I'm not a big Alabama fan, although I love it. But, you know, Jeremy would start, oh, that's Coach Saban. Mm. I said, well, I was doing process, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably same time Coach Saban was uh, doing it. But here's what I'd say about process. You respect people's feelings and you respect people that they need time to adjust mm. to things. Mm. For instance, mm. um we, as we had gotten full in some ways, we we'd, we had two simulcast services in, in, in the building. And once we planted our Blue Water Bay campus and a couple hundred people went, we no longer needed the, those two simulcast services. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they'll come and report to me sometime what they're planning on doing. Said, and so they decided in three weeks they were going to cancel those services. And I said, oh, really? He said, how long have y'all been talking about this? Oh, man, we've been talking about this for six months. Mm. Okay, so y'all have been talking about it for six months, and you're fixing to go tell 120 people mm-hmm. in three weeks it's gone? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, you need to think about it. Mm-hmm. They need some time to mm-hmm. process that's just respecting people. Right, that's good. Could yeah. we make the decision and do that? Yes, you could. Mm-hmm. But if, you do, if you'll do enough of those decisions, mm-hmm. you'll pay for it. Mm. It'll catch up with mm. you. So they slowed down. They actually went 
and told them what they were thinking about, got feedback from them, tried to deal with the objections, tried to explain everything. And they probably took a couple of months to do that. Mm -hmm. And so they just totally minimized the damage that Mm could have been done. But what did they communicate to the people? Mm. We care about you. That's right. They're valuable. Care about you're valuable. Mm -hmm. We're not just up here making decisions over there in room 302 and (laughs) bringing them down, telling y'all what you're going to do Mm -hmm. because we can. Mm. Mm, that's good. Well, what what has been uh, probably the biggest challenge for you in ministry? Biggest difficult all of life of ministry. Yeah, <laughs> what, just what what thing has been the hardest thing? Oh uh, well, being a what I alluded to earlier was the instantaneous one week I was in a three hundred attendance church, and the next week I was in a thousand attendant church, boatload of staff and couldn't even find my way around all the different buildings. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a lot. I, you know, I, I really didn't know if I was going to make it or not. Uh, and it was a real struggle. It's one of those things where deep down in, I knew I could not turn this down. Mm. Deep down in, mm-hmm. I knew that this is what God had made me for. Mm-hmm. Deep down in, I knew that this this was what all those previous 18 mm-hmm. years, I'd gone through all the churches. I knew every lesson that I'd learned. It mm-hmm. was all for this moment. Mm-hmm. So I really had no choice. In the, mm-hmm. I only acted like I needed time to think about it for my own self. Right. But that was a big, big adjustment for me. And I'll just tell you, you know, uh, I went to a counselor to help me through that. It got so difficult because I just wasn't coming out of it like I hoped that uh, I would. And, you know, it it would be so embarrassing for a pastor to go and sit in a counselor's room with half my congregation Mm -hmm. sitting in there, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, what are you in here for? Um, And this guy came to my office Sometimes four mornings wow. a week. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. To help me make it. Well, especially, you know, now that's a lot more popular, a lot more accepted. But 20-something years ago, your pastor doing that. Well, you, know, you still probably wouldn't want to do that if you came in. Like You know, you need that. Yeah. Act like you're in control right, and you're not yeah. overwhelmed yeah. and all of that. But every insecurity that I had... That brought it out. Wow. Because up until the first 18 years in the smaller churches, I was gifted enough to do it in the Mm. flesh. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good insight. I had enough gifts, abilities, (laughs) and my answer was just work a little harder. Yeah, right. If there was some some problem or some issue or something, you just worked a little harder. And uh, But those coping skills and those leadership skills did not work at this next level. And I had to learn to bring God into the equation. <laughs> <laughs> we needed to operate out of the Spirit. Maybe that's why the church grew. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of security, something I'm very in- intrigued by is, and this isn't a surprise to those who are members of your church, but it might be a surprise to some in the community. Um, you have announced that you will be uh, retiring uh, next year, right? And transitioning uh, Jeremy uh, Smith into the lead pastor of Crosspoint. Tell me about how you knew it was time to 
to hang your cleats up? <laughs> well, uh, I'll get you back to the technical language that we're using. Uh, I don't use the word retire because oh, okay, I'm okay. transitioning into a part-time oh, position. Okay. So I will stay there and keep doing stuff. Okay. Uh, like some of our Africa ministries. Yeah. There, there's a number of things that there's no need for him to right. have to take on or whatever. Plus, I'll be his servant. Yeah. Anything that might be particular he wants me to do. You hear that, Jeremy, if you're whatever, listening? I'd be, oh, I told him he knows everything. <laughs> uh, so so I'll be transitioning to part-time, and I, I tell everybody part-time just refers to pay. <laughs> that, that I work as long, you know, as long as I want to yeah, uh, or as little as I want to. But the, the, the difference is I tell them I don't want to make any decisions. Hmm. I don't want to attend any of the staff meetings. In fact, I don't want to go to anybody's meeting. That actually sounds great. Yeah, I know it does sound great. <laughs> I guess I got to earn that. I got a little while before I could do that. You that know. maybe. Uh, so, so that. <laughs> um, but the, I think the thing that really did it was, uh, you know, Jeremy Smith has been there for eleven years. He's now been the campus pastor there, and it's about time uh, for him. To move into that. And I'll just say a couple of things. You know, you're young and he's young. And with COVID, with church being reinvented and everything's going to be reinvented, mm-hmm. um, it, it's time for somebody that's got the energy for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I no longer have the <clears throat> energy to reinvent church. Mm-hmm. And I have no interest in it either. <laughs> You know, it's like I fought the good fight, and I, but I still I got energy to do ministry mm-hmm. and and a lot of things I want to do. But you know, I, I it, the dealing with personnel issues wears you down. <laughs> uh, you know, just dealing with it with it all. It's like having children. It's great to have another kid, but it didn't lessen the load. You know, it's not like the farm days where, great, we got another kid now to put out there on the back 40. Uh, so it's, and adding staff, they take care of one issue, but they bring issues with yeah, them. right. And so anyway, I felt like that this was a, a really good time because uh, I think Jeremy was ready. We need his energy. You know, he, he's prepared. So I, I think I'll, just a whole number of things came into play about the timing mm. of it. Now, in the United Methodist Church, you have to retire at 72. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, and now I go back to the word retirement for a second. On paper and with the United Methodist right. Church, right. I enter into retired status. Got it. Okay. Uh, like our uh, pastoral care pastor, uh, Herstel Carter, entered into retired status with the United Methodist Church, but not a single thing changed about Got his it. position. I am the only ordained elder that has to change positions at 72. Good. I Got could it. no longer be the lead pastor there. Okay. Every other clergy person can keep their job. Right. But I could not. Okay. So yeah. when I actually transition in July 1, I will be 68. Okay. So could I go for more years? Yes, but why? <laughs> I mean, right now. I wish some of our politicians would listen yeah, to that yeah, advice, yeah, yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, right now, we just need we need his energy, and we need 
you know, fresh eyes and uh, somebody that that still got the push. Yeah. Well, it sounds like as many decisions you were really saying, hey, what is best for the people around me and best yes, for the church yeah, and not yeah. I could have drawn a check for four more years. Yeah. I don't think that had been good for anybody. Right. But uh, on another thing, they have all been very appreciative. See, I took the lead on all this. Yeah. I asked them to develop a transition committee mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. And they interviewed everybody before we made any decisions. And, you know, it just took all the pressure off. Yeah, I mean, good. how do you go to the lead pastor and say, you know, <laughs> it's time to put you out on the iceberg, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. We think <laughs> yeah. Yeah. maybe it's time. Yeah. yeah. You know, so they were very appreciative. Plus it put us uh determined what we're doing. Plus, back to the United Methodist system, this all had to be okayed by the bishop. Yeah. So I have I have the the relationship with the bishop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one day I called him up and I said, you know, I I, I want to share with you what our church has been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh that we have to um we've been working on transition and everything and i have told them every step of the way that you have to approve every single mm-hmm. thing so nobody's under any illusion mm-hmm. that we're operating on our own and all that but just wanted to tell you shared everything with him he was fine with that he said y'all have done everything just right and he said i have no problem appointing jeremy smith uh as the lead pastor there when it comes time that's awesome so man we had yeah. we just had it all all taken care of a year ago, and it's, it's you know, and um, Jeremy and I got us a coach. We got this lady out of Atlanta who's a, uh, what I call it, onboarding person okay. in the corporate yeah. world. Okay. And she's now working in the church world. And so we hired her, and she's working uh, with with him and me together. And then they brought my wife into the conversation because she's going to be an employee. She'll be the wife of the former lead pastor, but Jeremy will be yeah. over her. And then we bring in uh, Greg in as executive pastor in the discussion. So we're doing every single thing we can to make this yeah. as smooth, and, and, and it's going to be. Well, well, we're excited. We're praying for you, and we're we're excited for Jeremy too. You know, as yeah. a friend of Jeremy, I just think yeah. you know I, I'm excited to see how God uses him. Well, hey, again, I just want to say to you uh, how grateful I am for you and uh, your welcoming me and warmness to me coming to Niceville. And um, you know, even though you make too many Baptist jokes, but we'll let that go. And <laughs> what the, any Baptist joke is generally making the Methodist. <laughs> feel bad (laughs) (laughs) anyway but really appreciate you and uh, appreciate you giving your time and uh, just anybody who has especially you know even I'm I'm not even 40 and I've seen so many guys fall and burn out and uh, you know give up in ministry and have moral failures and just somebody who's made it as long as you have specifically uh, you know staying in the same place for so long uh, just admire that and appreciate that. I thank you for your church's partnership with us and, and our community and all you've done. And uh, just, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Well, you're very kind, James. And uh, I appreciate that. And I've always tried to be friends with everybody. And I feel I feel stronger about kingdom than I do denomination. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, I'll, I'll always 
been that way. Yeah. Well, next week, uh, we will continue in our series on uh, pastor appreciation as we have my good friend, Chris Shinnick, uh, church planner and now pastor. At some point, you can't be called a church planner anymore uh, of Mana Church uh, here in uh, Niceville. So uh, we will see you or you will see us or you will hear us next week. Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.